Sweet Spirit, we thank you. Father God, we are grateful and we celebrate all that you've done and all that you're doing and all that you would do. 2022 has been a, an interesting year and we thank you for the journey so far individually and then for, for us in this community and for us in the different other communities and identities that we claim and belong to. We just ask that in the few minutes we spend together, that your word will be alive and your spirit and your presence will be unhindered amidst us. We ask, oh God, that you bless our reasoning together and you cause you and you alone to be seen, to be heard, to be known. To the praise and glory of your name. Amen. All right, we've been on apologetics for the past three meetings and today is the fourth meeting on that and indeed the last meeting on the subject um, and there is the possibility that tonight might even be the last meeting for the year which um, I mean we should have given more publicity to to it for that effect but um, in any case we'll see if we're still able to I just feel like the next possible date 23rd is already really close to Christmas and some of us might already uh -huh. have that's your birthday. Okay. Maybe because of you, we can still mm -hmm. come and camp around and you feed us. <laughs> we can get the birthday cake around um, virtually. I will wave it. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Anyways, so if there will be one more meeting, definitely we'll, we'll get a message and a notice to that effect. But the past three meetings we've been on this interesting subject of apologetics, big word, which simply means um, being able to understand what you believe, why you believe it, and be able to defend that. So you're able to make sense of your faith. You're not just a Christian because daddy and mommy is a Christian. You're not just a Christian because you attend church on Sunday. You're not just a Christian because, because you're born into a Christian family, because whatever. I mean, that's you're a Christian because you really understand what it means to be one and that you are willing to embrace that and even convinced enough to want to invite others to join you on that journey. That's, that's what apologetics is about. Um, of course, there are people that then, I mean, it's a broad field in and of itself that some people then become professionals in, in doing. But I mean, for the sake of our reasoning together and conversations, it's just basically for us as young people to be able to say, I'm not just a Christian for being a Christian's sake. I know what that means. And yes, I don't have all the answers to all the questions of life, but I know who is tomorrow. And I know it's the same one holding my hand. And I'm convinced enough in saying that to the point where I'm willing to invite someone else to join me um, on that journey. That's apologetics. So the first meeting, uh, the approach we have taken, besides the fact that we are using a resource, um, a video resource on Right Now Media, uh, put up by Matt Chandler, pastor of the Village Church in the United States. Um, and he, so there's, there's this four episodes that was made like a series of, of four episodes. And what they have done is to go by the way of questions popular questions uh, that people ask 
um, and then use that as just some touch points to bring in some enlightenment, uh, especially tailored towards a young adult-ish kind of audience. So the first week we looked at why does God allow suffering and suffering and something like that, suffering and one other word, suffering and evil or suffering and something. <laughs> um, so that was that was the first week. And then the second week we looked at, is Jesus the only way? Very interesting question. And then at our last meeting, we looked at, or was it actually the third, we want, third week that we looked at Jesus is the only way? Let me see, sorry. Yeah, yeah, so that was the third. But in the second one, we looked at science and Christianity. Does science disprove Christianity? And then in our last meeting, we looked at is Jesus really the only way? So today we want to wrap that up by saying or asking, why are Christians so hypocritical? Um, on the other side of this conversation about apologetics, or maybe I should say part of the learning outcomes, if, if we could treat this as a cost model, part of the learning outcomes is for us to be able to engage with some of the questions that people that are skeptical about Christianity or even outrightly opposed to Christianity, why they think the way they do, and then for us to be able to then have a reasonable, uh, I won't say counter arguments or something of such, a reasonable response, let me just put it at that, to those kind of thoughts. So you've, you might have heard people say, why would you even believe in God? If there is a God that is good, like the Bible says, he is, as you Christians claim, then how come that such a good God would allow X, Y, Z to happen? Why would he allow this bad thing to happen to good people? The other word I was looking for the other time is tragedy. Why does God allow suffering and tragedy? Why would he allow this tra tragic incident to occur? Why would he permit this natural disaster? Is either he's not powerful enough to stop it, or he's actually not as good as you say he is. And of course, we wrestled with that um, about a month ago. And then we came to science because some people will say, why would you believe in God? Why would you be a Christian? Since all these things you read about in the Bible don't even make sense. I mean, we've been able to explain everything scientifically. There is a scientific explanation for how everything began. I remember sitting in a lecture where my lecturer was able to take that back to CH4 as the source of everything before the Big Bang and you know those different theories, theory of evolution, how you we were not always human beings, but we evolved from something that evolved to something that evolved to something that became man, you know. And people believe many of these things because, of course, again, the scientists would take you through seemingly convincing arguments for their propositions um, in that sense. But again, we looked at we looked at that and we saw that science does not disprove Christianity. If anything, science has even helped us to be able to enhance our faith, to be able to, they are not at loggerheads, if, if, if that makes sense. Then last meeting we looked at is Jesus, the, is just Jesus really the only way? If you say God is love and is a loving God, why will he just make one, only one person the way to access him? 
I mean, that would be unfair. What if there's someone somewhere that just never heard of this, your Jesus, from the beginning of his life till he died? How would God treat such a person? Why would God send that kind of person to hell? Um, and again, we looked at different thoughts about that. But today, we then want to come to the argument of, why would anybody want to be a Christian? Is Janet not a Christian? See how she behaves. Is... <laughs> Is Lydia not a Christian in my class? She how she dresses. Um, is Matthew not a Christian? I know that he watches pornography every time he's in the toilet on his own. You know, all manner of things that we've heard. And indeed, some people just have this picture of Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. If you have been involved, not just as a member of a church, but somewhat in the life of the church. And by that, I mean, you've really engaged with church people. You could even have had your own reservations to say, this is our church self. This is their church self. And, you know, all manner of personal reservations, like, and that person is a sister, and she's in the choir. And that person is a brother. And when he's leading prayer, it is this, this, this. But we know what happens when, you know, is in, in a different context. I saw that elder the other day drinking two bottles of Bacchus. You know, and we could go on and on and on um, on different ways that that can look like. But some people really do ask, why are Christians hypocrites? Why would I want to be a Christian if being a Christian will make me like Sister Elizabeth? I know I'm not talking about you because anybody that knows you will want to be a Christian. <laughs> All right. So that's what we are dealing with today. Um, let, before we go and engage with the video and just um, general conversations and discussions. Let me just throw it out like that. Have you ever, in two ways, one way could be, have you ever thought like that yourself? Like, there are just so many hypocrites in, in the church, like Christianity is full of hypocrisy. Have you ever thought like that? If yes, why? Is there a particular experience that you want to share? Um, or something you've seen somewhere that you thought, yeah, fits into that. Or has someone actually said that to you before or asked that or, you know, inferred that one way or the other? And what made the person to say that? So let's first of all, you know, have that icebreaker, so to speak, and really come to terms with, is this really a thing? Um, and if it's a thing, then, okay, let's go on and then engage with it. Does that make sense? So who's going first? Yes, it makes sense, but I've got snoring people in my background, so. You can hear this now, so go on. Oh, good. Oh, I wasn't going to answer. I was just telling you that it makes sense. <laughs> you see why I said that anybody that knows you wants to be a Christian. <laughs> Thanks for the vote of confidence. <laughs> All right. Anybody wants to share, please just unmute yourself and go for it. All right, Amala. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, growing up, we used, yeah, as a child, growing up, growing up in a Christian home, going to church every Sunday and during the week, all of that. So, mm -hmm. I mean, over time, I started hearing things about them people in the church. And, mm -hmm. Especially when you know that, of course, people that you're hearing this from, these things from are people that you're actually somewhat close to. I know that, of course, people are probably not lying about what, what this person is or what this person 
does and the church doesn't know about and yeah so of course growing up people I, I felt really disappointed like oh why are people but of course as as I grew up I know that I also had my own shortcomings and then I'm like uh -huh. well mm, maybe <laughs> <laughs> while the shortcomings are on different levels or they are different kind of things uh -huh. I think I just had the understanding that well this is not something as much as oh maybe there are things I'm doing behind closed doors that shouldn't be done as a Christian and there are things that other people are also doing. It's a case of oh I, of course every day just trying to renew myself every day as what I think Romans twelve verse two yeah Romans twelve verse to not conform to the world and renew yourself daily and all of that. So really just so I think that's one of all this one that's one of the things we Christians should just try to focus on because really people watch us people see the things we do so yeah that's right that's, it's that's sad right. thank you that's a good one any other person wants to share any other person wants to share We've never heard of hypocrisy or encountered it or, or manifested it. That's the case, maybe. That's interesting. Adequate you, what have you got to say? Except you can't talk where you are, which is understandable. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. <laughs> well, um, about this particular topic, I don't have any serious or deep thoughts okay. because um, I think I've just been able to, over time, been able to um, put myself in people's shoes. And, um, mm. and in the beginning, in the beginning, of course, when um, I myself wasn't really a Christian, I was just a church goer. Mm. You know? At that time, it was easy to, you know, look at people and say, ah, Look at this person. They will say we should not do this. We should not do that. Especially the adults, you know, yeah. those adults who always point fingers fingers at the young ones, other people's kids. You know, mm -hmm. it was easy for me to say, oh, they will say you should not do this. You should not do that. But look at their own children, you know, yeah. and yeah. look at them. They are the ones doing it and all that, you know. And um, I didn't understand then, uh, and um, that. Um, it was different, a different thing to be a child of God and to actually be somebody who goes to church, really. Mm -hmm. and, but after a while that I got born again myself, I think I just became more compassionate towards these people. <laughs> and um, you know, I was able to <laughs> understand their plight better, understand that... Um, the same way I myself then didn't understand what it meant. So mm -hmm. that was probably their own case too. And um, yeah, yeah. everybody just needs to get to that point where they, um, at that point, after that, after that, the whole change happens. So I think it was easier for me to just commit myself to probably helping some people out, mm -hmm. you know, rather than, because I knew that once you give your life to Christ, truly the change happens afterwards. And yeah. um, I guess it was just easy for me to just probably pray for some people that they would actually really, really encounter the real Jesus, you know, and it was easy after them. Richard, <laughs> thank you very much. So see what you were hiding if I had not called you out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any other person wants to share on that? Um, any experience you've had with hypocritical Christians or maybe 
that person was you, <laughs> which is not impossible. Mr. Diela. I was busy laughing when I, you I, said. I, I knew you that your spirit has told you. <laughs> okay. I need to use that told you that I will call you, so you shouldn't have been caught on a rest. No, you didn't tell me. <laughs> you didn't hear. Well, I can't recall experiencing any hypocritical Christian, but uh, in my home church, I think yeah. I maybe I saw a bit of it, or I overheard my parents talking about something in that line uh, and then i used to wonder like but it's not supposed to be amongst christians mm -hmm. like when you hear some stuff and they like so there is well I, let's say i have two dispositions to it one of which the two sisters that spoke before me already mm -hmm. talked about yeah. which is we extend a level of grace mm -hmm people because we also have our own shortcomings and at times we might not even see it ourselves that mm -hmm. we actually fall short of these things yeah that's part one the part two is people who know the right thing yet they just want to do the wrong wrong things mm -hmm. that i have an issue with and um if i can digress a bit I think okay. it was two weeks ago, myself and my husband, we, were, we read a part of the scriptures where Paul was chastising, I think it was the Corinthian church, mm -hmm. when there was one person amongst them who was sleeping with his father's wife or something, mm -hmm. and Paul was... Step, yeah, his father's wife, so his stepmother, yeah. Step, okay, and Paul was like, it should not be heard amongst you. And the way Paul talked... That was quite harsh. And if we bring that to our reality, our Christian reality right now, uh -huh. we would say Paul should not have said what he said, but it was even recorded in the Bible. So uh -huh. there is the level of grace that we extend to people, and uh -huh. there is also correcting them in love. Uh -huh. And not just, it's just like saying a child does something wrong, and I'm like, I'll just extend grace to you. There should be a place of discipline in the church. Uh, so if we, so it might not be my place as a young lady to uh, correct an older person, but if the pastor, for example, the older people see that, uh, they shouldn't just say, okay, that is what the Exactly, because that was also what Paul was also saying that this is like a yeast among you, which you need to like take out immediately because if you don't, it would spread, mm. right? So mm. yeah, that's what I would say. That's, that's, that's a very interesting thought. Um, and I'm surprised that you people wait until you are called to share your interesting thoughts. <laughs> uh, but the passage you mentioned, maybe we could also at some point in our reflection land on it to maybe tie some things up together. I think that's a very, very apt scripture to bring into the mix of this conversation um at this point we would digress a bit not digress we are still actually going on with the conversation but we'll go on to watch a bit of um the video resource that we are using remember that the flow is always that there will be a story there's an introduction at the beginning and then there'll be a story and you're welcome dylan so good to have you there'll be a story and then there'll be a reflection on that story by Matt Chandler. 
Um, so we might be able to take maybe the first two stories, but we'll take the first one first and the response to it. <clears throat> then we'll reason together about that. Some of the things that will come up from that, I think has already come up in our conversations already, but then we'll be able to double click on, on some of them. So I'll be sharing my screen and then you will be hearing what you should hear, hopefully. Just a minute. And here we go. This first few minutes is an interesting song, but I won't, we won't take that. We'll just go on to where we want to start from. But this song is actually very interesting. And it's the story of a typical Christian life. Sunday, Sunday, you are all excited. But what happens on the other days in between the Sundays? That's kind of what the story is about. And it's beautiful. Hi, welcome to our final session of Apologetics with Matt Chandler. The Bible shows Jesus as someone who stood up for what's right, helped those less fortunate, loved others, built up people, and fought against those who hurt others. He changed the world and reshaped our eternity. I want to be more like Him. But tragically, the way Christians act and the things Christians say can sometimes get in the way of others wanting to become a Christian. Sometimes we are unkind, judgmental, and we fight each other. If we are supposed to represent Christ, we do a pretty poor job. In this session, we'll take an honest look at how we as Christians sometimes stand in the way of others knowing Christ. It is an awesome responsibility to be Christ's representatives. We'll see stories from students who have struggled with understanding God's love because of how they were treated by Christians. Matt Chandler will use scripture to help us understand the impact we can have if we truly follow Christ and how we can positively affect the people around us. Let's start with Tyler's story. Throughout life, school, it was really hard for me. I always got bullied at school. It was more verbal. Sometimes they would get physical, but not usually. It was hard to deal with because I couldn't tell anyone about it. I didn't really have any friends to talk to you about it. Uh, I'd always grown up in church, but I'd never really connected with anyone that was Christian because all the kids that bullied me seemed to be Christian. Like all the people I saw at church, I'd try to talk to them. I would say like hi or something, and they'd be like, yeah, hey, what do you want? What are you talking to me for, you know? They bullied me a lot at school. Like they would tell me to my face that they hated me. I went to a church camp. I was in the bathroom actually. Four guys came up behind me while I was going to the bathroom and they shoved my head in the toilet. And then after that, I was so sick of Christians because they were always rude, you know? I just couldn't take it anymore. So it was like the only thing I had to relate with Christian people was bad things. I didn't like God because I was always thinking like, you know, if God loves me and whatnot, why did he make my life so bad? What led me to be an atheist was kind of, the anger inside of me was just too much. So I started like, you know, wearing necklaces with inverted crosses and like, I would draw the star. I would like draw it on my arms or something or I would just do it for attention just so people would notice. And not only that, it was just kind of to, to Christian people, I was kind of wanting them to stay away from me. 
after all this happened, uh, my mom kind of forced me to go to church. I didn't really have any friends yet because I, I just moved here and I was in homeschool and I was kind of tired of seeing the same people. One thing I noticed that was really different about this church was the people were different because like they were not just Christians in church, they were Christians everywhere and I really liked that. They're really fun to hang out with. They were really, really nice to me. They were all telling me, you know, to come back to church and they, it seemed that they really enjoyed my company. So I started coming back again. It felt like they actually enjoyed having me around. One of the things that becomes clear as you read through the, the New Testament is there was a lot of confusion around who Jesus Christ was. And, and what I mean by that is if you read through your Bible, uh, the ruling religious parties of the day, the Pharisees and scribes, uh, on more than one occasion accused him of having a demon or saying that he was demon possessed. And then there's a moment in the scriptures where his family approaches him because they think he's lost his mind. And then uh, he asks his disciples, what's the word on the street? Who do people say that I am? And, and they say, some say that you're Elijah. Others say that you're John the Baptist. So in essence, they're saying you're some sort of reincarnated ghost prophet. And then Jesus turns it on him and says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Messiah, you're the Holy One of God. But I don't want to give Peter credit for that because just three or four verses later, Jesus rebukes him and says, get behind me, Satan. And so I don't think you get credit for naming Jesus as the Messiah if you're going to rebuke him two verses later and then get called Satan four verses later. And so really the only one who nails the person and work of Jesus in the New Testament are the demons, the, the demons are con they know exactly who Jesus Christ is. In fact, if you watch them, there's never any kind of dynamic debate between Jesus and a demon. Jesus doesn't try to cast them out and they're like, not today. And then there's this kind of fight that you would see on the movies, right? It just doesn't work that way. In fact, they almost always fall to the ground in the person that they're in and say, we know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. In fact, in one instance, they say, have you come to destroy us before the appointed time? So the only one that seems to get Jesus right in the New Testament are the demons. Now, let me tell you why that matters. If we begin to look at how quote unquote Christians behave and how they can treat other people and how they can behave in a way that's unchristian, I think there's a couple of ways to look at that. If there was misunderstanding in the person and work of Jesus Christ in the first century while he was walking on the earth, how much more is there confusion today around who Jesus is and what it means to be a Christian? Like I would bet if we could all kind of press pause on um, this, this DVD or this uh, webcast or however you're watching this, we could all load up in a van or a bus and we could head down to your mall and we just did a light survey on who Jesus was you're going to see that some people think he's a good teacher, others that he's a great philosopher, others that he's the son of God, but we would be all over the map. What I've learned being in Dallas, Texas, is there's a lot of people who believe they're Christians who simply are not Christians. If you ask them why they're Christians, they'll say because they're Texans or because they go to church or um, because they're Americans or because uh, their parents were on and on and on. It'll go. It's a whole list of things that do not make you a Christian. And so one of the first reasons that quote unquote Christians behave in a manner that's unchristian is they're simply not Christians at all. 
Please don't make the mistake of believing that just because a person goes to church, they're a believer in Jesus Christ. Churches are filled with people who either misunderstand who Jesus Christ is or who don't know him at all. And so the first reason why Christians might behave in a way that seems counter to the way Christians could should live is because they're not. But there's a second reason also. Sometimes Christians behave in a way that's unchristian simply because they're immature believers in Christ. And so there has to be grace towards people who act in a way that's unchristian, who might be Christian, but are just immature. So if I think back on how I treated my parents and how I treated people when I was immature, sometimes I'm just really embarrassed. There are stories I could tell you about things I shouted at my parents or ways that I handled a situation early on in my faith that are to this day shameful and embarrassing for me. In reality, I was a believer in Jesus Christ. I was just immature. I didn't know much about the Bible. And over the next few years, men and women of God who knew the Word of God graciously sat down with me and explained to me, the Bible says that men of God should behave like this, that they should handle situations like this. And as I grew in my understanding of the Scripture, I grew in what it meant to be obedient to God. And so Christians oftentimes will act in ways that are unchristian because they're not saved, but a lot of times they're acting that way because they're immature in their faith. And most 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds are a bit immature in their faith. So let's be gracious and let's be honest about those inconsistencies and lovingly engage our brothers and sisters to live in such a way that honors Jesus Christ and helps us love one another in the way that the Bible would have us love one another. All right. <clears throat> That's a uh... That's a good one. So having, having heard that, um, both Tyler's story and Matt's response and reflection, and that's just one out of, of three or four um, in, the, in the full video. We might be able to take one more before we finish. Um, but yeah, having heard that, any, any immediate thoughts, any, yeah, any reflections on his reflection and on Tyler's experience? You're smiling like you, you want to build the cats. So go for it. No, I couldn't stop looking at how the things have just been smashed. And I'm like, what? Inside the toilet. Anyways, yeah. So I think going to um, going to um, this guy's reflection, yeah, Machanda's reflection. In the case of people being immature in their faith, I mean that's totally true. The question now is, how do you know that someone is immature in their faith at that point? I mean, and then like, okay, you want to give more grace to these people because they are immature in their faith. But I mean, when I think about it, I feel like one of the answers I can come up with is just be kind to everybody and you that you believe. You want to keep growing and you should keep growing keep growing because that would also help others that are growing and hopefully your kindness will also mean something to them and make them do things better so, mm, mm, yeah mm. that's that's brilliant so well then i like i like that further reflection and okay so how do we actually then differentiate between who is mature and who is not that's that's good any other person wants to share on that 
what did what you got from the video or any other thoughts along those lines? Okay. Sister, I know you don't have to wait for another person. <laughs> um, the part that struck me was I said they're immature and that we should be gracious to them. Uh, I think mine also ties into Damola's one in the sense that of how do we know they're immature? What if they're immaturely evil? Are we supposed to still be gracious to them? Like this being hypocritical, it's not just them saying, them living double lives. Uh -huh. There are some Christians that they take it to the extreme. They say hurtful words to people. Uh -huh. Because they think they they are they think they are spiritual enough to um say those things, but I'm not sure they are correct. Uh -huh. So I'll give I'll say I'll give an example. They could it could be situations like an older person correcting a younger person. Uh -huh. Instead of just being factual in the correction, they go into depth like ah didn't your parents teach you? They go into so do you, does your how does your does your mommy not pray with you in the morning in your house? Uh, so they, they say things that makes the child start to doubt uh, their own background. This is in their immaturity. Uh, so as a third person listening onto that, do you then say you want to be gracious and not correct that so that it doesn't spread? Because it's not just about the, just it's a bit tricky. Like there's a fine line between you being immature and living double life, but there's a feel like when you start to use your immaturity to, I don't know, to, to influence other people negatively. Because uh, as much as they're immature, there are also people there that are still trying to grapple with their own faith. Uh, so it's just, it's just weird. Like it, my, my mind is bringing in, like this Bible verse is coming to my mind, Albert. Um, you know the parable of the sower. However, uh -huh. some is, some seed fell on the rocky path, and then weed grew up and choked it off. Uh -huh. And I see some of our people, our Christians, our brothers and sisters, uh -huh. that way they they are there to kind of choke things up. Like they come to you smiling, they go say things at the back. It's just, it just it 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 distorts people's spiritual progress, but they don't know. They uh -huh. just do it. I don't know why they do it, but then. When, when you get to hear the whole mess at the end, you just wish it could have just been not done, if uh -huh. possible. Yeah, so that's that's what, when I listened to Matt's reflection, that was a, just what was coming to my mind. All right. Thank you. You've teased out some tensions, um, but I, I would let the tension linger, as it were, um, without necessarily trying to resolve anything just yet. Any other thoughts? Any Any other takeaways from that? video vis-a-vis -vis our own experiences and yeah encounters of fellowships with other christians hello oh, all right dylan go on hello i'm going to tell you a story okay i used to be immature hmm. um this was way back in middle school hmm. There was someone who said that he didn't believe in God. And that made me very angry. And I started shouting at him. And you can use this story as an example of 
how an immature person would act mm-hmm, mm-hmm. versus a real Christian. Mm. A real Christian would probably, in that circumstance, rather than shouting mm-hmm. and getting offended, like an immature person, the, the, the real Christian would just um, probably get to know the person better. Yeah. And acting that way would probably help the atheist or a non-believer mm. to connect with him, with them, to mm. connect with Christians. And that'll make the non-believer more likely to join a church. Indeed. And gain faith. Indeed. Thank you. So so. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. There's actually one of the stories, and maybe that would be the only other one we'll take. We'll just move to the last story that was more or less like a positive story. Um in amongst the four. But I'll take um Bolajo Kolojo. <laughs> yeah, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I, I just want to share my own experience mm-hmm. about this, you know, immature Christians. Mm-hmm. For me, it I think reacting it it's 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 all about the matter of the heart. Mm-hmm. Okay, for for example, I went to you know, visit the sister in the house and mm. so-called the person I look up to, you know, or like spiritual, you know, higher than me. And mm-hmm. I just thought, oh, it's been long I've seen her. I just want to go and surprise her at home, you know, and just, you know, just um, greet her because she's actually expecting. And mm. when I go to the entrance of the house, I knock. The husband was so happy. He embraced me. Oh, mm. Sabola has been a while and blah, 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 blah. And after five minutes, I was like, hold on. I think I need to tell my wife, you see that she didn't hear your voice that you are downstairs. Mm. And he was just going, oh, hello, my dear. Good, uh, Stabola is here. And so what? I know she's here. Why can't you t- they tell us to go back? I don't want to see her. And it's more like, am I dreaming? You know, <laughs> I, was, I was afraid. I was shocked. Mm. And the husband was like, please don't do that. Now that she's here, I don't care. Tell her to go back. Oh, gosh. oh my God. I was embarrassed, but immediately I was like, I, I just, the other one was still there with the house. I don't want to know what, I don't want to hear anything further again. Mm. I just opened the door and just go out. I just went out. Mm. And the person I was praying, I was crying. I was on the road. I was like, God, help my heart. Holy Spirit, help my heart. I'm sorry, even though I know I would have called her, but I just felt I was missing her. Imid- I was just pounding my heart. My heart. My heart was because one, she's one of our spiritual leaders. Mm-hmm. I don't want my heart to be affected, like to affect me, mm-hmm. you know, not to go to, you know, to, to, the, to the Bible study center anymore. I don't want it to affect me because like what um, the second guy was talking about, mm. about, you know, we, we, we saying we are Christians. Mm-hmm. Why am I a Christian? Why, who is Jesus to me? Yeah. But I thought that my heart was the first thing I need to target. And I was, I could go back home. I kneel down, God, I'm sorry. And I would help my heart. And immediately I just pick up my phone. I just sent her a text. I'm very sorry for not informing you to uh, for me for not informing you come to your house. Please mm. forgive us and just reply. It's okay. Thank you for understanding. Oh, <laughs> 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 I already eat me the more like she's so proud. But I mean, I'm like, God, have my heart. 
help my heart. <laughs> Honestly, it takes a month for God to help my heart. It was not easy. And mm. that same evening, she just texted me. Now you say you want to see me. So I um can can you call me so close that we can talk? I was like, thank you, ma. Don't worry, I'm okay, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just not right the second third time. <laughs> Honestly, it's 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 not I can say it as, as a testimony, but Holy Spirit yes. actually helped my heart. It was a matter of God walking upon my heart. Mm-hmm. And I just felt after two weeks, I just realized that my heart was helped. She just mm-hmm. called me, oh, Sister Bola, uh, please, I'm going to honestly my out of heart i did it with no as in i was so willing to help mm. go really even though now if i think about that matter i'm not hot mm. i went to their house go there to cook in short and she and her husband were like sabola we have not seen someone like me before and my heart was like ah is that me or is it always, <laughs> <that my> <laughs> so you know so when when it comes to that maturity of how we just need God, we need Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to help our because this matter of heart, mm-hmm. if God will not help us, it's mm-hmm. it's a really it's a matter indeed. Mm-hmm. Thank you very, very much. That's a very practical and relatable experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 I I sense that the issue was less about you and more about the drama that has transpired between the man and his wife before you came into the anyways this was a study and i go for it yeah thank you so i have two questions okay so sister anu painted okay? a scenario okay. about um go on. being with like being in a place where maybe an older person is correcting a young person mm-hmm. and yeah mm-hmm. so if it was someone like me mm-hmm. a young lady mm-hmm. that was there Mm-hmm. Is it in my place to correct the older person? Because <laughs> mm. I don't think I would correct the older person. Maybe I would speak with the younger person and say, it should be, that's not how the, maybe the mom, mm. yeah, that's not like what she really intended to say or something. Because if I, I don't know. So my question is, so should a young person, <laughs> Correct okay, person. Person. Okay. because being a nigerian i i don't know you understand what i'm trying to mm-hmm. say that's yeah. bit so it don't look like you're rude or something but then there is also there should i think there should also be the part of you should be able to correct i don't know sure but that's it then the second part is this scenario that this sister just because i'm like eh? Eh? <laughs> the way she said the, <laughs> the I told them to go and buy it in the restaurant. <laughs> sorry, sorry. So that was shocking to me. I want to ask. Yeah. So, if we are recipients of immature Christian behaviors, mm-hmm. uh, how should we? So she said she was just telling God about her heart. I don't mm-hmm. know if how I would have dealt with that. Mm-hmm. So how? like in a practical way now how should we deal with something like that it might not really be in this scenario but you know just experiencing yeah something like that Mm. well done any any thoughts to any of the questions on grant before i okay sister bala you're muted when when like when i when i use the word god help my heart one bitterness 
Because mm. honestly, for someone to walk me out of a house, I will never, like I only said, never go to a house again. Even if she invites me, I will never. Number two, I won't even talk to her at all. Just mm. go your home and go your way. Number three, it won't affect, you know, because she's one of the leaders of the Bible, so I'm going to, it will affect me going there. Mm. So that was the first that God needs to help my heart. Because when my heart is helped, mm. even though, you know, if God really helped my heart, one, I will not be embittered. Mm-hmm. And I told you it was not easy. I, mm-hmm. I was talking, I was crying the bus till I get home. I got to kneel down and I was crying, God help my heart. Mm-hmm. You know, that I will not hate her, I will not be embittered. It will not affect my spiritual growth. It will not mm-hmm. affect the reason why I'm going there is not because to meet her, I'm going for a purpose that it will not affect me. Because mm-hmm. the reason I said that God, she's one of the pe- one of the leaders and one is high. And I felt see, like what like um one of I'm still growing. You know, I, I don't see them as, as a soul spiritual. They are, we are all still growing. Mm-hmm. So that's why also I see that aspect. Oh, but I know that one way or the other, even despite God that helped my heart, I still be able to live with them. I know, even though she might not come out, but I know in the heart of heart that God should not learned a lesson. Because when she came to meet me on my birthday, to, she and the son to give me a prayer. She was like, Stabola, me and my family, you are just, you are just, we don't know who you are, but you are just, we just learned so many things about you. Even though yeah. she can't say, but I know, but it might know that it wasn't easy, but it, mm-hmm. I, I know that it's a lesson. And for me too, so that's it. Yeah. Thank you very much, man. That's, that's very helpful. Yeah? Can, I say, can I ask a question? Yeah. In that scenario that Stabola gave, uh-huh. I don't think I'll leave. Okay. I would wait for the husband to come down. Because uh-huh. it sounded as though the conversation they were saying upstairs was between them. Maybe she didn't know that her voice was so loud uh-huh. that I could hear. Uh-huh. I would wait for them to come down. Then, like, I'll kind of, I like, I would prefer a closure. Uh-huh. Like, the reason no. I'm saying this is because... Uh-huh. In in Christendom, there's something we do. Jella mentioned it not too long ago. Uh-huh. We don't want to offend. We don't want to appear rude. Uh-huh. And then we sweep things under under the carpet sometimes. Uh-huh. But 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 to to ask for clarification, I think it's better than to just assume. Yeah. And I, this might be the lawyer part of me. I know for <laughs> it is the lawyer part of me. <laughs> I want to stay in the house where everything is hot and I want to still stay there for them to be explaining things to no, me. No, the, the reason why I left is, sorry mm. to come in, okay. I know she, she she knows I heard it. Uh-huh. And the reason I had to leave her, like, I don't want my matter to cause a friction between them at that moment. Makes sense. So yeah, I, yeah. I have to leave immediately because and also she, 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 she's about to expect aunt, and mm. I don't want anything that because while I'm there, she come down, say now become my mother. I, no, no, no. Uh-huh. At that moment, uh-huh. I have to leave because I know she knows her head. She knows. Uh-huh. I see. So for me to send text to her, she knows. Even Makes sense. Husband. That's yes. true. So that's why I left. Yes. Thank that's you very true. much. Very much. Very much. Yeah. Um, Brother Mlari said in the chat thread, he says, I'm, I'm, mm, I'm praying to that the Lord will help my heart daily. Wow. What an experience. Thanks for sharing. That's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I mean, just reflecting on the whole incidents vis-a-vis -vis the question or questions Sister, Sister Diola asked as well. Um, and of course, as we have all been sharing, when, we, when I'm facilitating conversations like this, I try to refrain from sharing and let us talk very well so that I'll just tie up at the end if there's still anything left to be said. But part of the things that the Holy Spirit has been raising to my mind um, as the conversation has been progressing is, one, this whole language of um, immaturity, um, bringing it home to the point where we see that we are all uh, we are all immature. It is only the areas of our immaturity that differ. So yes. some of us might be mature when it comes to managing scenarios like the one that just played out, for instance. But the way you handle some other scenarios, which is still you confronting someone else's immaturity, for instance, but you would mm -hmm. have acted in a very foolish way. That just mm -hmm. goes to show that how immature you yourself are. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, I think for those of us that are married, um, I'm, I'm conversant of the fact that not all of us here are, but for those of us who are married, I think just the tensions, the everyday tensions we have in our marriage, <laughs> it's proof positive that we are all immature only to different areas and degrees. The reason why there is friction is because we are both not yet perfect. Perfect mm. being mature. We are both not yet fully mature. If we were, we will live together like two Jesuses, and two Jesuses will not fight. <laughs> and two Jesuses will not, two Jesuses will not quarrel. Two Jesuses will not have conversations where one person is sharp, boiling and hiding something inside and just, you know, whatever the case may be, whatever that might look like. But mm. every in every marriage, there are conflicts. There, if anybody tells me there is no conflict in their marriage, that is proof positive that the person is very, very immature. Because yeah. um, but that being said, to first of all, bring all of us into that, because we can get into this rhetoric of talking to, about those immature people. Those immature people, we are all in, the way I like to state it is to say we are all a work in progress. We are all being mm -hmm. sanctified by the Lord. It's a process that will continue till we see our Lord face mm -hmm. to face. And as long as we have breath, we will mature, we will manifest rather immature tendencies. That's one. The other thing then to then say is how do we then act in the face of that immaturity? Uh, and I think I love the example Sister Bola Jacob gave um, and, and how she handled that in the, in the sense of praying that God will help her heart. But actually emphasis on the praying, the act of praying, the act of acknowledging that I need God in this situation um, more than any other thing. And I think that's what makes the difference. For true Christians, I like to use the word true Christians or genuine Christians, Christians that are Christians indeed, whether or not they are immature or mature or anything, one of the things that makes you truly a Christian is the fact that you, you have come into a, you know that you have come into a family, you have come into a relationship with God, you have come into a relationship whereby you have someone you call your personal Lord and Savior, your master, the one who is supposed to Lord over your life, the one who is supposed to dictate the affairs of your life, the one who is supposed to instruct how you respond in situations, the one who is supposed to influence every decision. And, and, and in as much as he is your Lord, and not just only the one who died for you and saved you, but also your Lord, 
you want to ensure that it's the one you are reporting back to. Is is the first person you are turning your gaze to when you are in tension. Is the first one you want to hear is whisper. How do I respond in this case? And so that would look different per time, according to his wisdom. Of course, again, we won't do it perfectly, even when the Holy Spirit is leading us. If the Holy Spirit should take microphone and speak into a headphone that is plugged to your head, the way you will still interpret and carry out the instruction and still manifest how immature you are. So that's that's how, how layered and complex this thing is. But that continual acknowledgement of our dependence on our father, I think it makes a lot of difference. And so should a younger person be speaking to an older person, I believe that there are contexts in which the Holy Spirit will permit you to do that. Um, generally speaking, if I'm just saying this in a general counseling session between someone that is a Christian and another, uh, you, you, I, I will point to issues like, okay, what's the nature of your relationship with that person to start with? If it's someone you've not been talking to, is older than you, you don't exactly have any ongoing kind of relationship and you are now even putting your mouth to correct the person, and you are both from a African cultural heritage, you yourself know that you are, you are overstepping your band, you're overreaching. Paul said to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1, I believe, he says, correct an elder as you would your father. Ba, like, ba, we be baba. Talk to an elderly person. The person is in the wrong. Timothy is their pastor, but he's a young man. And as a pastor, he has the responsibility to still address issues and not sweep them under the carpet. But even in doing that, Paul said, because you are young and the person is older, talk to that person the way you would talk to your dad. So if you factor that into your mind, it will change your approach absolutely about how you are going to correct the situation. And when we were studying that part in, 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 our, in our church during Bible study, uh, the example I gave was when my dad sent me one of these sent to 70 people kind of broadcasts that on the one hand I'm, I'm offended at the fact that you are even spreading a broadcast that is not totally true um and then i mean it's just a whole bunch of things that i feel like ah, with the level of all the things you've taught us you shouldn't be forwarding this kind of thing to anybody if even if someone forwards it to you just let it die with you but of course i can't go to my dad and say it like that <laughs> I sent him a voice note and I as, as the Holy Spirit helped me, you know, the approach was different. I had to go behind the scenes to explain um, why I think that he didn't need to do that and things like that. He himself responded with a voice note afterwards. Ah, my pastor, thank you very much. Me too. I thought about that, 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 that and it went on and on like that. And it was beautiful and blissful. So if I were to talk to someone else that is older than me in church to want to correct, I want to approach it that same way. I want to approach it in a way that at the end of the day, but the relationship is still preserved, basically. Um, and it doesn't matter whether it's man to man, woman to woman. Uh, sometimes your leadership platform, your leadership position naturally places you on a pedestal where you have to address people and address issues that are relating to pertaining to people that are older than you. You can't shy away from that. But on a member-to-member -member basis, let the Holy Spirit guide you. If you overreach and you receive the dividends of overreachment, God is not to blame. <laughs>
it's part of your sanctification <laughs> experience and you take it under the wings and 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 keep going mm-hmm. yeah um those those will be the different sides to it that i thought to, to mention i thought i saw someone's hand um uh, okay there are some posts on the comments adam larry says i actually feel the rejection of atheists and people that raise a flag against god is actually a crying protest to be loved by his children brilliant i agree with you absolutely talking of maturity we're all in the journey of progressing into maturity as long as we keep our hearts and eyes on the lord ever so true so true dylan says yes we must be consistent with our persistence to learning god i like that consistent with our persistence, consistent persistence in learning God. Second Peter 3, 18, grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Son of God. That's an invitation to all of us. And it's the journey we are all we are all in. It almost feels like this is a good point to just wrap it all up. Because the other stories um, in the video are pretty much the same kind of experiences. But the last story, I will just brief it as we begin to bring the conversation to a close, I know there's a match going on and some of us might want to join that as well. Um, The last story is about a lady that is also, in this case, she was born into a a family of atheists and things like that. There there was nobody to to tutor her towards God or point her towards God and all that. But she had a friend, a Christian lady that was a friend. Um, And... Every time this Christian girl tried to preach to her, she's patient and they are friends enough to the point where she's able to listen to what the, the Christian lady is saying. But for whatever reason, she still just don't see the need to go all the way. And that other lady too is patient enough to not shove anything down a friend's truth. Um, and so they just continue doing life until one day when she... She was, she's been in a relationship and her boyfriend broke, broke up with her um, after they've been together for one and a half years. Um, and that shattered her. The only person she could turn to to call was this Christian lady. Um, and she came around and all she could do was just to pray over her at that very instance. Because the, the breakup in itself was God's way of beginning to make this lady come to terms with the void in her heart. She discovered that this guy has been the one filling all the void of emptiness and loneliness and all the loneliness that she had been dealing with. But now that he's working out of her life, she feels exposed, vulnerable, empty. And, and now that God void in her is exposed again. And here comes the lady praying over her inviting her to church after that incident and she goes to church and discovers okay it's actually a whole bunch of different experience than what she had anticipated and of course then her heart has been warmed towards God and she's a Christian today um so so basically to say that we are not all hypocrites <laughs> on the one hand and then on the other hand to to acknowledge the fact that maybe we are all hypocrites because we are all a work in progress. Um, and yet, how amazing is it that God is still willing to use hypocrites to achieve what he wants to achieve? Um, I know we don't like being labeled as such, but we all have hypocritical tendencies. To deny it is to actually confirm that we are hypocrites. It's as simple as, simple as that. Um, and I like the image of that word in my local language. 
the Yoruba word for hypocrisy is agabagebe. And the day my dad actually, I think it was my dad that heard this from, tried to, he was preaching in church and then he kind of unpacked that word a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Agabagebe, ebe is a heap that you make with a hoe. You know, when you want to plant yam, you make heaps and you make the heap with the hoe. To do that, you are standing on the ground and you are heaping the soil together, isn't it? But Agabagebe is a person that says, I've heaped a hoe, I've heaped, I've heaped, I've made a heap that is so big that I need Abba, a ladder, to climb that heap to plant something inside it. That's nothing could be farther from the truth. It's it's just impossible. You are you are you are lying. Yes, you might have made a heap, but it can never be so big and so tall if you were the one that made it. That you will need a ladder to climb that heap to go and put <laughs> the yam that you want to plant. It goes on to mean by influence that to be hypocritical is to be double tongued, is to is to is to be dishonest. As simple as that. In other words, some people see us this way and then some other people see us that way. Or in, in certain cases, it simply just means that you are the only one that knows the, the real truth, but you have a narrative that you want people to believe. See me, I am this hardworking farmer that made a heap so big that I need a ladder to climb it and plant the yam inside it. It's just it's just senseless. Um, and, and so, yeah, that's, that, that's imagery rings true for me of the dishonesty that comes inherent in our hypocrisies. But let's let's be people who God can shine his light through in spite of our brokenness, in spite of our being works in progress. And that would mean naturally that we then stand in the shoes of others. We are more empathetic before we are judgmental. We are more empathetic towards people to say, that could have been me. Before you look at the, the sister that got pregnant out of wedlock, as uh, we knew that was going to happen. She's sleeping with this one today. She's sleeping with that one tomorrow. Why won't you get pregnant? You are even lucky that you are only having one child out of wedlock. You should have had 10, you know, rather than propagating those kind of rhetorics. Let's be the kind of people that actually pause and say, wow. To be honest, <laughs> if not for God's grace, only God knows how many children I will have, how many girls by now <laughs> in my life. And that's the sincere truth. You know, we sometimes get to a certain level where we look at ourselves and just say some things are beneath us. Maybe. But Paul will be quick to remind you, let him that thinks he stands, take heed lest he falls. And the same Paul will write, um, I think it's in, in, in his letter to the Galatians, where he says that when you see a brother or a fellow brethren, brother or sister, that is um, falling, let those of you that are standing help him in a manner of speaking. But then he goes on quickly to add that you should do it as someone that also acknowledges that even you yourself, you are not yet perfect. I think we should just find that passage, read that and pray after that. I think that's a good point to tie it together. I would give a minute or two for any further questions that anybody has, and we can take that together and then we'll pray. Uh, if anybody finds the passage I'm looking for, please feel free to. I think it's Galatians 6, 1 and 2, but I'm not too sure. Yeah, that it is. 
Galatians 6, 1 to 2. Let me open a couple other translations just in case we want to check it out in those as well. Galatians 6, 1 to 2. Brethren, this is NKJV, New King James Version. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. I read it from easy to read version. Brothers and sisters, someone in your group might do something wrong. You who are following the spirit, emphasis on that, following the spirit. You who are following the spirit, that's what it means to be spiritual. You who are following the spirit, you should go to the one who is sinning. Help make that person right again and do it in a gentle way. But be careful because you might be tempted to sin too. The voice translation says, my spiritual brothers and sisters, if, I, if one of our faithful has fallen into a trap and is sneered by sin, don't stand idle and watch his demise. Don't say, hey, we, we knew he was going to fall. Now the nemesis has caught up with him. Mm -mm. Don't stand idle and watch his demise. Gently restore him. Being careful not to step into your own snare. In other words, there's also a snare waiting for you too. We all have the snares because the devil is after every true child of God to tarnish our witness, to weaken the tendency and possibility for God to witness to others through your life. And the last version that I have opened there is the Living Bible. Dear brothers, if a Christian is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help him back onto the right path, remembering that Next time, it might be one of you who is in the wrong. And it goes on to say many other things in the subsequent verses. But I think it, it sums up this issue to, first of all, acknowledge the fact that there is a snare for us as well that we have to be watchful for. But then when we see others that are misrepresenting Christianity, when you see someone doing the kind of stuff I mean, what Paul was doing in, 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 I think it's 1 Corinthians 5 or 2 Corinthians 5, the story of the guy that was sleeping with his stepmom. What Paul was doing in that scenario, of course, is an extreme case where someone is blatantly sinning and choosing to flaunt it. I mean, it's, it's crazy. You are not just committing adultery. You are doing it in a way that you are standing in the way of any other person, even people that are unbelievers. That's what Paul is saying in that passage. If you read the full context of it, they know that that's something so unthinkable and, and, and unbelievable. How would that now be found amidst those of us that claim to be Christians? And so he says that, that, that particular person, <laughs> he says, communicating him, he says, I'm handing him over to the devil. Let the devil deal with him in a way that would awaken his consciousness and reality to the fact that, oh, now that I've been sent out, quote and unquote, of this community, I'm missing something and I need to get back into that. Um, Dylan, that was Galatians chapter six, verse one and two that I first read. But this story of the guy that was sleeping with um, his father-in-law is in is in First Corinthians chapter five. Let me let me just double check that. Yes, First Corinthians chapter five. Pretty much the whole chapter, but the first like 
eight verses um, dwells on, on what was going on in that passage. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's the that's the that's the gist <laughs> that I want uh, that I want us to take from all that God is saying to us today. That we shouldn't stand in the way of people wanting to come to Christ because of how we act, and it's not up to you. That's the good news. It's up to the Spirit. It's up to the God who lives inside you, and empowers you to live as Christians should. That's the difference between Christianity and any other religion. In terms of how to become one, we noticed that in the last meeting, the difference is grace. That you don't have to do anything. God has done it all. But the other difference in terms of living out or practicing Christianity, as opposed to practicing any other religion, is that Christianity is the only religion that you can practice that the founder lives inside his followers. Muhammad is not living inside Muslims. Buddha is not living inside Buddhists, but Jesus lives in our hearts. It makes all the difference. So there is no demand that the Bible would make that is hope to you. All these things that we are saying about maturity and immaturity, your own part is to ensure that you, you cooperate with that spirit that is inside you. That's all. The spirit is ready to do the job. Your children will be taught of the Lord. Those, so that's even children that don't know right from wrong. God is teaching them. How much more we that we know right from wrong as a, as a matter of speaking. God is living inside our hearts, instructing us, nudging mm -hmm. us, pushing us in different directions. Ours is to say yes to his leading and, would, and we will get to where he wants us to get to so that we do not stand in the ways of others coming to know the Lord. Thank you very much. Brother Mlari says, glory, Jesus is alive in me. Indeed, empowering me to be all that he has called me to do and to be. To be first and to do, actually. <laughs> um, as it was said of Jesus, all that he began to do and to teach, because that's his reality. He is the word. He has been it. And the word became flesh and then began to do the things of the kingdom and then began to teach it. So we are in that endless process. The end is, is going to have an end, but the end is when we see him. But we're in that ongoing process, I should say, of being, becoming like Jesus. And out of that same becoming process, we are doing the things that he wants us to do. I've said too much. Any questions and then we'll pray. Our time is up. Or any additional thoughts? Okay. I think we should pray. I want us to just um, talk to God in the quietness of our muted Zoom cells um, and just ask him to to help you that this coming year, 2023, will be a year in which our life will draw more people to him. That you'll be an evangelist of a different sort in 2023. The kind of person that even before you go around and say to someone, Jesus loves you, give your life to Christ. There is something in your way of living that draws them. 
that 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 invites them to want to come and explore what this kingdom is about that the lord will make you a more intentional evangelist especially by your lifestyle in 2023 that the areas of our hypocritical tendencies god will help us to hone up to our mistakes to come clean before him and to enjoy him more than ever before in the name of Jesus. Talk to God. And if there's any specific resolutions that you are intending to make for 2023, ask him for strength, sustaining grace in the name of Jesus. Let's begin to bring our prayers to a close. And so our Father and our God, we thank you because you are good, so good, infinitely good, incomparably good. And we admit that in different ways, at different times, we have misrepresented you. Part of our call is to become ambassadors of, for Christ, representatives of Christ. And yes, sometimes we've done that wrongly in our marriage, in our church membership, and in our very many other communities, even in our immediate nuclear family. But we ask, oh God, that as you're living inside us, you supply the strength we need, the wisdom we need, as at when we need it so that we can grow in grace and in the knowledge of the son of God. We ask that 2023 for this community will be a year of supernatural growth in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus. And to you be all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.